Hey guys, ECRG here, back with another episode. Today we're here with a very, very special guest, actually a good friend of mine from the industry, and he goes by Eric. Eric, how you doing today, man? Doing all right. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. I'm doing well, first of all. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on today. I think you are the fourth person I've interviewed on the channel so far, um, and we're going to go ahead and get into it. Eric is actually a project manager assistant, so he kind of is like the right-hand person of a project manager, but uh, I'm going to let Eric go ahead and introduce himself a little bit, kind of tell us a little bit about his background, where he went to school, things of that nature, how he got into clinical research, and then we're going to kind of go uh, a little bit further in depth from there. So Eric, I'm going to give you the floor right now. Tell us a little a bit about yourself. Yeah. Hey, everyone. How are you doing today? Um, my name is Eric. I went to school in Richmond, Virginia, VCU, big basketball school. Uh, my background was in biology, and I did a year of preclinical phase research. I had the intentions of going to pharmacy school, but then, you know, right before uh, uh, actually accepting an offer to a school, had a change of heart and uh, found out about the CRO industry. Um, had no idea about it, you know, prior to a phone call with one of my family friends. And uh, super surprised about, you know, what it what it held and uh, what it's become to me. And it's been a really great experience so far. Excellent. So how long have you been in the industry so far? Uh, just about a year and four months now. A year and four months. Okay. So that's a pretty good amount of experience uh, in the industry so far. Um, now, just to, to go back a little bit, what did you say your major was in college? Um, biology with a minor in chemistry. All right, biology and chemistry. Now, I was a psychology major, but from your from your perspective, do you think having that science major kind of uh, helped you get your foot in the door in the industry, or do you think it doesn't matter at all? Yeah, I would absolutely say that it does give you an upper edge over other candidates. Um, you know, it, it gives you that uh, that comfort factor with you know the terminology. Um, that's thrown around very commonly in, in studies. I think there is definitely an extra learning curve for someone who, you know, per se was a mass comm major yeah. um, trying to get into this industry. If they don't have that background, it's definitely going to add to the workload of, you know, training and uh, getting comfortable, getting moving with all the, the materials. Right, 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 right. So you majored in, majored in bio and chemistry, change of heart at the last second from pharmacy school, um, and so like, how did, how did you find that first job to get into the, the, the industry? Yeah. Um, kind of briefly touched on it in my, my intro, uh, got a little ahead of myself, but I have a family friend who, uh, works up in Boston, um, actually for my current company. Uh, she works in proposals and, you know, I had a talk with her and I said, I'm not really sure what I want to do. I knew she worked in the pharmaceutical industry, but I didn't know it was considered the CRO, you know, uh, right. contract research organization. Right. Had no idea what that meant. So she gave me a quick, you know, synopsis of it. And I said, that's really interesting. And she said, well, you know, if you want, I'll uh, put in a referral for you. And I said, sure. So got an interview and, you know, here I am. Wow. That's amazing. So, so basically you had a, a good connection able to like refer you to get into the field. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people who always emailing me elite clinical group at gmail.com for anyone out there who has any questions. 
um, <laughs> uh, always emailing me about how to get into the industry and always, always tell them, you know, you got to kind of utilize all your resources, connections, um, applying. One of my favorite websites is indeed.com for applying. Um, you got to kind of utilize everything, including, including your resources to try and get your foot in the door in the industry. So were you, were you like applying to a bunch of places or was, was this like the only, the only thing you had to do to kind of get into the industry? Well, <laughs> that's actually <laughs> funny. You ask, um, yeah. In the, in the meantime, I was actually applying to quintiles. I was applying to, uh, PPD, um, you know, Covance, all these different companies. And I was actually applying as a CRA, CRA one right, because, right, right. uh, the contact I had worked in a completely different realm of the CRO industry and proposals. Uh-huh. So she had no idea, you know, what, a uh, assistant project manager does. Um, so, so she told me, Hey, you know, you might like the uh, clinical side. You might like, uh, working in project management. Um, she talked about startups. So I was applying to all these positions that I really, you know, wasn't qualified for as an entry level, uh, applicant. Right. Um, so yeah, it was just, that's pretty much what I was doing. I don't think I would have <laughs> had a shot. Um, if they gave me an interview because I was applying for something that had more, um, expected knowledge than I possessed at the time. Right, right, right. And that's yeah. interesting you say that because a lot of people, you know, email me and are just like, I want to be a CRA. I want to be a CRA. How can I be a CRA right now? You yeah. Know, make it happen right now. But a lot of people don't realize that CRA and project manager or like these other roles, they're not entry level roles at all. And they actually do require you to have some background knowledge, GCP, really. just, just how clinical trials works in general before you can actually like take them on. So, all right, cool. So, I mean, me and you, we actually had, we started out in the same way, similarly. Um, it's my cat. <laughs> what's up, Puff? Uh, what's up, Puff? Well, welcome to the that. podcast, Puff. Yeah, he wants to be on it, apparently. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, you did that. Now, did you have any other, like, research experience in undergrad or anything? Like any like uh, bench research, lab research, or anything like that. Yeah, so I had about a year and some change, maybe a year and two months of um, preclinical phase research, is what, what I call it. You know, before it's actually implemented in human trial. Mm-hmm. Um, was working on a cancer-based um, genetic study, and there was a, a protein complex we were looking to uh, trigger within um, these different phenotypes of Drosophila. Um, that we were um, creating constructs of. Mm-hmm. And it was a really, really interesting study. It definitely helped me with my GLP. Um, it gave me a lot of terminology and a lot of understanding of what goes on before a drug is developed. But what's Put GLP? In... Is that good lab practices? Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. All right. And, you know, we were doing anything from cloning, uh, electrophoresis, sequencing, you know, just all of that i can go on for 10 minutes about it (laughs) so do you feel like that kind of helped you get your foot in the door in clinical research or do you feel like that they didn't really care about that right yeah yeah absolutely um i think that during my interview process they definitely you know stuck to that topic for quite a bit they asked me a lot of questions about it and i felt like it was um you know it definitely gave me an upper edge on uh, my competition um you know, as far as 
the experience in general. It gave me, you know, better terminology. Uh, it gave me like a sense of what this product is before it makes it out into the actual clinical study. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helped because, um, you know, if I didn't have that and all I had was my pharmacy background, I wouldn't have no idea of what, um, you know, before the actual clinical phase one through four, right. what happens. So that really gave me that insight. And I kind of played it on me saying, I understand how important all that is, all that work that goes into it. Right. And I understand how important it is in those phases one to four. So I kind of just like built upon it and said, it gives, it gives me a back, a backbone, a foundation to, you know, continue pushing forward with. So. Right, 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 right. All right, cool. So I think that's a little bit different than, cause that is clinical research experience. I mean, it's technically like phase zero as they call it. Um, so that's, that's definitely a lot different than like, you know, I did like horticulture research on like proteins. Uh, ah, right, like right. So that, so there's definitely a distinction there and a difference there. Um, I feel like what you were doing was definitely more along the lines of clinical research. So who knows? Maybe, maybe they even consider that like experience. Um, but as, I'm sure as you know, in, in this field, they take that experience very, very like seriously and you know, they really want people with like clinical research experience, um, you know, trying to get in. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and let me say this, um, you know, we have people in this industry from all walks of life. We have project managers that came from, you know, tech or maybe working for a restaurant industry and stuff. I've heard all these different backgrounds. Right. And I think nowadays it's more important because they have the ability because there's such a high demand they have the ability to be more selective and be more tedious with who they choose. And they can say, Hey, you have to have this background now because that's just, as things grow, they become more selective, you know, right. supply and demand. That's all it is. So I definitely agree with you on that. Right. And also like as this, you know, the sponsor decides they want people with experience, then that's who the CROs have to hire because the sponsor has to sign off on everybody working on a study. Yeah. Um, so so you're, so you're in the industry now, um, you know, what, what would you say it was like working in the industry for like the first few months? Uh, you know, was that, was that a big adjustment coming right out of college? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, it, I wasn't straight out of college. I actually worked in a, a few different, um, avenues of pharmacy before that, but my first few months in the CRO industry was, there was a big learning curve, um, you know, definitely a lot of time management skills and, uh, you know, just getting used to having different tasks every day rather mm-hmm. than having the same tasks every day. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing. So definitely learned to implement um, the use of my calendar a lot more, um, you know, and as far as the abbreviations and the acronyms that are used so commonly, that really threw me a curveball. I had yes. to get used to that. Yeah. Had I recommend everyone printing out a, a a cheat sheet of clinical uh, trial terms right. really helped me. Um, I actually plan on making a video about about a few of those, the big oh, ones. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, just running through them. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, were you saying something? Oh, yeah, that's really it. Um, it just, it, it wasn't too difficult, but, you know, there's definitely a lot of different things that they expect you to know, um, you know, whether that's making pivot tables in Excel or, taking minutes, well-detailed minutes, which, you know, we both have had our, our discussions about what we exactly. minutes. Exactly. Um, I don't know if this is, this is a PG podcast, it's but not. 
PG thirteen. Don't, don't go like rated R. <laughs> well, that shit sucks. Yeah, <laughs> everyone minutes are the worst. But moving forward, wasn't the worst, but you know, there's definitely a learning curve. For sure. So you you kind of detailed it a little bit. Um, you know, your first role was a project manager assistant type role um, with minutes. What what other tasks were you doing? I kind of described it as kind of like a jack of all trades type of position. Um, pretty much anything Absolutely. they ask you to do, you kind of are the person, to, the go-to person to go ahead and get that done. So yeah. in your words, like what, what, what would you say about that? Yeah, that's very accurate. Um, I was managing anything from the, uh, the investigator payment system, which mm-hmm. was actually a third party system. So that took some time getting used to. Um, and it's, you know, not, it's not always the most stable system. It has a lot of, you know, uh, issues that pop up just because it's not perfectly integrated with, you know, rave and whatnot, metadata rave. Um, I've managed the form consent forms, um, the input of the data in CTMS, um, had to go and do some, uh, verification of imaging in metadata rave, Mm -hmm. um, Managing, you know, databases for site staff, internal staff, vendor staff, uh, creating newsletters and mass communications. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the list goes on. It really, like you said, is a jack of all trades kind of deal. And right. You're the right hand man to the the project manager. Right. Um, you know, or women. Much, yeah, a lot of it is. A lot of them are women. I think more are actually. Yeah. So I had to throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> we all we all owe it to our mothers. For sure. It's definitely a female-dominated industry, for sure. Yep. Um, so what do you think about, um, I guess, being, was that a good, like, entry-level role? Would you recommend other people to kind of get their foot in the door that way? Or maybe some other roles you can think of? Yeah, um, absolutely. I I think it was really great, and it, it gives you a good foundation to build off of. There's many different avenues you can take uh, within the ladder, uh, whether that's a, a linear or a vertical move, you know, it's up to you. Um, I also think it'd be cool since the TMF, the trial master file, which I also didn't mention was what took up most of my time. Right. That's a huge deliverable, very important part of the clinical trial. And if you can get into uh, maybe a TMF operations position, I think that would give you a really good basis to uh, build a case to move up, up, move up with. I also think, um, you know, maybe like an operations, internal operations with however you guys manage your actual trials. If you have like a, a group like that, um, that'd be really great to get into. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of different avenues. Those are probably the, the other two I'd recommend. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a good one about the TMF. That that one doesn't get talked about enough because, I mean, I'm sure as you know, every study has issues with the TMF. The, T- oh, yeah. the TMF is a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I definitely recommend the TMF part of it. So as as far as your role, you've been in it for like a year and a half now. What What is kind of like the career trajectory for, for that role? Like where where can people move from there? Because that is on the project management side, but can people go clinical or, you know, what, what can people do from that? Yeah. I mean, it's really uh, a very versatile position. So you can keep moving up the ladder. You can go uh, vertically. You can go to project manager. 
and you can go into uh, project director. And then, you know, if you want to even climb further, you can get up into uh, uh, an executive uh, customer relations position. Um, or you can be you know, an executive director. There's so many opportunities. You know, people have moved into VP of strategic relations or, uh, you know, solutions and whatnot. It's just that's that's the vertical way. Um, if you want to go more linear, I guess you can go over into a, uh, would it be, would it be a CMA? Yeah. What do you think would be like, the next step? In, like in-house CRA, but that's, I mean, that was technically laterally, but it, 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 it depends. Okay. Um, but yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a, not, not linear. I meant lateral. Laterally, lateral move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was te- technically laterally. Um, but you know, that's a good route to go to. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I say lateral, I don't mean, you know, you're doing the same exact skill. Um, you're not having the same uh, tasks thrown at you, but it's kind of the same level of, I don't want to throw anyone off by saying this respect Yeah. within the company Yeah. Um, because, you know, it is a hierarchy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think as far as that, and then also you can go into um, maybe a TMF manager position. Um, yeah. That's as far as I know, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of different realms, but I haven't explored those too much. So Okay. Um, can people become CRAs from that role too? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you ask that because I'm actually uh, in transition right now. Uh, I was offered a position to be become a CRA1. And uh, it's definitely possible, guys. So, you know, keep your head up and keep chugging away. So did, did you know before you got into clinical research that you wanted to be a CRA? I have, I had heard about it, but I wasn't sure if it was my thing, you know, do the travel. And, uh, I didn't really know if it was like one of those positions that it kind of like made it seem like you were uh, a medical professional, but it was just kind of like glorified. But I did my due diligence and I found out it's a really great position. It's uh well-respected, it's, uh, well-benefited and, yes. um, I'm really happy to be in this position. So congrats, congrats on that, man. I know you've been working hard for that. And I think, I, appreciate it. I think you'll do really well at that. And I think you'll enjoy it. It's definitely sure a blast. So. It's definitely a blast. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. I'm just trying to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> Respect. Um, so, so how long does it take the average person to become a CRA in your, in your eyes? Well, uh, I think at least a couple of years. So I was definitely blessed. Yeah. Um, timing, have, timing is huge. Timing is everything. It, it really is. It really is. And it's all about your stars aligning. And I think persistence is really key. I think it's easy for people to, you know, uh, become disheartened when they're told, you know, there's nothing available right now. And we definitely live in a time of instant gratification being yeah what we feed off of. And I think people need to realize it's not always going to work out right away. You got to keep pushing um, and just keep putting your, your ideas and your uh, and emphasizing on how much you care about this position, how much you want to grow and improve yourself in the right people's ears. Just eventually someone will hear it and they'll say, Hey, you know, it'll click and and they'll be able to make a make a move for you. Um, You know, it just takes a lot of time. Right. So, I mean, I know as early as like a few years ago, people were getting into the CRA role with like six months, definitely even a year, a year or less of experience. 
Oh wow! But but it has since changed because I, the sponsor wants more experienced people, so it has kind of trickled down through the CRO. Um, right. But yeah, like a year and a half in the industry, becoming a CRA—that's excellent, man. That's almost unheard of at this point. Yeah, it's really great. Um, you know, my my sponsor decided that they were willing to take on a CRA one. Um, I spoke with our VP. I spoke with my director, mm. and I really let them know that I I really wanted to move in this position and how much I cared about it. And I built a case for myself. Yes. Um, you know, I made sure I had clinically ended tasks that I was asking for on top of my regular duties and responsibilities. And so just kind of, you know, pushing on them and they said, Hey, we're going to try to pitch you to the sponsor and it, it worked out. So, you know, there's always a possibility. Right, 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 right. And you really got to kind of look out for yourself in a lot of these situations and make sure you have your own kind of self-interest at heart, your own best interest. Absolutely. At heart. So congratulations on that, man. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, I'm pumped for you. Um, so that's, so that's happening for you in the next few months. Do you feel, do you feel ready? Do you feel like you're ready to kind of jump into that role? Do you feel like you've kind of mastered and done all you could do in the previous project manager assistant role? You know, I always think there's more to be learned. There's always room for improvement. Um, but I think I'm, I'm pretty well well off obviously there's a lot that i don't know specifically you know in depth as far as uh you know outside of the shell like i've been on uh an imv um shadowing yeah um and you know i i kind of saw the the outer the shell of it everything that was already prepared you know it was handed over it was signed off on but i didn't see everything that went into that i didn't see what went into running to writing the report um and you know all the preparation (laughs) yeah so i think as far as what I know um, on the project management side, I can usually I can use that and apply it to to becoming a CRA. But there is a lot more that I, I plan on finding out in the training um, mm-hmm. in the next three months. So you do you do you know a little bit about the training program? Um, like what how how does how are they training you? Because you are coming from project management, and having made a similar transition myself, there is a huge difference between the project management side and the clinical side. And I think even you said it, there's, there's a big learning curve. There's going to be a big learning curve, but right. I know, I know they're going to train you up. Well, they're not going to send you out there blind just to kind of like fuddle so around and, and do your thing. Um, <laughs> but do you, do you know, you know what they're, what they're going to be teaching you in the training program? Cause people ask these questions all the time. Right. You know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'll be honest, but I have heard there's a lot of um, simulation. There's a lot of, uh, you know, if this happens, if this goes wrong, what do you do? If the PI is not there, what do you do? Uh, If they can't find their materials or their binders, what do you do? Just a lot of, you know, what ifs. Um, I also heard there's a lot of, uh, it's almost like a, uh, a manners course. It teaches you how to be professional and how to deal with, um, you know, uh, site staff and you know doctors and surgeons and you know just high high up their people you know up in the hierarchy of the hospital how to deal with them because you don't want to upset them you want to encourage them to uh enroll and try their best to make sure their subjects that you know meet the inclusion exclusion the inclusion criteria are actually getting enrolled and the ones that you know don't they're being weeded through you know right so 
Well, that, that'll be good. How, how long, about how long does that last the training period? It's about three months. And I believe in the second month you start doing co-monitoring visits. Okay. Well, that'll be good. We'll have to have you back on here to talk about your experience with that because I'm sure a lot of people would be interested. Um, I've done a little bit during my training period, uh, but it's always good to hear different perspectives too. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I'll definitely fill you all in when, uh, when all is said and done. When all is said and done, man. Um, so yeah, so project manager assistant to CRA, what, I know it's kind of early in the process, but have you have your sight set on something, uh, you know, after CRA or you're just kind of focused on that right now? Or have you given much thought even to it? Because I know this is all fairly, fairly recent. Yeah. You know, I've always had a, a, a hankering for one to become a, a hospital administrator. Really? I always thought that was a really cool position. I thought you were really involved and just having that oversight. But as I dig deeper into the CRA position, I'm starting to learn about the ladder. And, um, you know, I guess it would be considered like a clinical team lead. Yeah. Um, that might be cool. And, you know, later on in life when, you know, you're, you have a family going and uh, more responsibilities, it might be more difficult to continue the CRA route if you're in a high demand study with, you know, a lot of traveling. Right. Um, and this, this trial lead um, position would give you the opportunity to oversee the CRAs that report to you. Uh-huh. And it's more of a remote work from home kind of deal, less travel. Yes. I think it's like 20% travel. You go to um, some investigator meetings, you go to, you know, other internal meetings and whatnot, but it's not so much you're going on site unless there's like, you need to fill in or something. Exactly. Right? exactly. So that sound about right. Yeah, that's about right. So, I think that'd be really cool to explore through. And I just think the possibilities are really endless, man. You never know, like something might open and they'll say, Hey, this person's really good at doing this. Let's give them a shot. It doesn't always have to be, you keep going straight up. You can go, you know, you can go 45 degrees if you want in the other direction and cut through some stuff. Right, 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 right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like the CTL role. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it's a good role. Um, as much as I could say there. Um, so yeah, people ask about the travel a lot. And of course, like if you can have family while being a CRA and stuff. So how much travel did they advertise to you? They said it could be up to 65% of the time. However, I'm on a stroke study and the inclusion exclusion criteria is very, very intense. So we only enroll, you know, maybe a patient or two every week, maybe every two weeks. Oh, so the whole study. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's very, very tedious. Um, they have these standards of scores that they want the, the patient to achieve. And if not, they will exclude them and consider them a screen fail. And, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. So this study is more so 20 to 30% travel. And then, uh, you know, uh, 70 to 80% regulatory and oversight, you know, uh, you know, working from home, uh, maybe even doing some, uh, some ad hoc visits, um, uh, or doing visits for another study. They might borrow you and put you on another study to, you know, run some visits. So it all really depends. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know when they say, when they say 65%, 
that's a real 65%. They're not they're not saying that and actually going to give you like 30% or 25%. Oh, wow. So yeah, that's that's for real. And a lot of people think that they're just joking when they say stuff like that. But it couldn't be further <laughs> but from the not. truth. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So yeah. Oh man. Um yeah, I'm I'm told 65% and I'd say it's probably more right now, but I mean it goes through ups and downs. Yeah. I'm probably more like 75, 80% right now. Um, wow. Well, you know, you know, people always say it's not all about the money, but it sure does help. Yes. <laughs> you're, getting, you're probably getting some nice incentives for that extra travel, aren't it you? It sure does help. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know because I'm in the sponsor level now. I know at the CRO level, they do offer a lot of bonuses and stuff. So if you like complete a, a certain number of visits in a month, you get like a nice bonus. Right. Um, one time I even was told like if you get all your reports in on time, you'll get a bonus. So basically if you like do your job, you'll get a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Like um, yeah. So yeah, someone told me that one time. I thought that was kind of crazy. Um, yeah, definitely. You'd think that'd be the standard, but. <laughs> exactly. Hey. Uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. CRA is just a crazy life. It's a crazy lifestyle. It's a good lifestyle. Um, I, I definitely, I definitely see the appeal of it, and I definitely see why people like it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to jumping in. Um, you can do a lot of cool things with it. A lot of cool things, especially like, uh, you know, I was talking to one of my colleagues. And he was saying every time he would go out to, um, you know, a place with mountains, he would like kind of get go there a day early, and then you know, you know go skiing and snowboarding the whole day. So, wow. Yeah, you can do some really cool stuff with it. That's excellent. Yeah, I have heard that. Yeah. So I'm excited for you, man. Um, you know, just, yeah, I appreciate it. Just, just wanted to wrap up here. Did you have, you know, any, like, I guess, words of encouragement for any people that are listening out there who are trying to get their foot in the door in clinical research? Any last, any last words to them or any uh, tips you may be able to help? Any tips you may be able to offer? Yeah, I'd just like to uh, reiterate the word persistence, guys. It's very important. You got to keep pushing and believing in yourself. And you really got to build a case. You have to, when you have that interview, if you're lucky enough to, or you know, even if it's being applied to your resume, you got to build a case for yourself and show that you, know, you can be placed into this position even though you may not have all of the necessary, you know, background, mm -hmm. you got to show them that you can, and you got to sell yourself as a product essentially to your, your interviewers. Right. Um, and I mean, that's pretty much what I did. I just, I also asked them at the end, Hey, is there any reason why you think I wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, succeed in this position? Right. It's kind of like a closer statement. And, you know, uh, my last interviewer said, well, you know, I think this kind of concerns me. And then that gave me the opportunity to touch on that and, you know, cover my tracks and say, hey, well, you think this? Well, I have this experience and I would, you know, be able to do this and provide this. So I just think it's a matter of just being confident in yourself, being patient and, uh, you know, looking out for yourself, like you said, because if, uh, you know, companies have obligations to you as much as you do to them. Right. And if they're not, you know, giving you the opportunity to grow or, um, you know, get your foot in the door, then there's always another one to try. So don't hang around too long, but be patient at the same time. There's a happy medium somewhere in there. Yeah, that's great point. Great points all around there. 
Um, that's one of the best things about this industry, I feel like, is there's just so much opportunity and so many companies you can work for. Um, I, I know I just really like having that that ability to where if something happens, you need to quit and work for someone else. You have that ability to do that. So you've got a lot of leverage oh, yeah. with that. Absolutely. So I really like that. Um, it's a good deal. Thanks so much again, Eric, for agreeing to come on the, the podcast and the, and the show here. Um, I definitely would like to give people the opportunity to uh, email you, I guess, if they have any questions or they can just email me at eliteclinicalgroup at gmail.com and I can forward them on to Eric if anyone has any specific questions. Yeah, we'll yeah just, let's do it that way. Yeah, we'll yeah. just do that. Um, or you can comment down below if you're listening on YouTube. Uh, any questions, I can forward those on to Eric and see what he says. So Yes, sir. Thanks once again, Eric. Yeah, Mr. ECRG, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me.